Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one bestseller, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of the medical merry-go-round? Are you looking for a potential solution to your health problem? Be sure and listen to our podcast, The Code Breaker. Welcome in on a Thursday night to the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. Had the day off of the radio show today, but the podcast grind never stops, I suppose. So welcome in. Glad you are with me as always. Uh, A couple of things to talk about today. One, the AP re-rank. And so you've got preseason rankings that Ole Miss is appearing in the top 25 in, and then this re-rank from the AP, which, uh, okay. So you you guys know what I'm about to do to the AP's re-rank. Also, college football playoff ratings. It just confirmed what I've been saying about college football for uh, the last few years if we're being honest, and then an idea that I've got for like Ole Miss marketing merchandising. But first, do want to remind you, of course, to follow me on Twitter at Michael Borky. Subscribe to the podcast if you're listening on iTunes. If you're listening on Spotify, hit that like button and leave a rating and a review. I'd very much appreciate that. And the show is brought to you every single day by LB's just across from Kroger on University Avenue right there in Oxford. Go by and see Greg and get one of their daily lunch specials Monday through Friday, but they're open seven days a week. The weather today was absolutely beautiful, perfect grilling weather. Get that started at LB's, the best place in Mississippi to get your meat. All right, my idea first. So this kind of tells you how my brain works. I was sitting here, had the day off, uh, and thinking about a marketing idea for Ole Miss. And I am not, this is not inspired by they should distance themselves from the name Rebels. I think it's very easily addressed if that ever comes up again. We'll see if it actually does. Uh, I'm not going, I'm not being that guy here. I think they should keep it because I think it's fine if you contextualize it the right way. People are going to come at the name Rebels. It's just, that's just how it is. They're going to come after it, but I think there's ways that you can use it Keep it, and everything will be okay. So I'm not doing that here with this idea, but I was thinking about this today, where, and it really started by, I was looking at my hat collection. I have a bunch of hats. I only wear like three or four of them. And I thought, how cool would it be to have a hat that just had Rebs on it? Not Rebels, not Ole Miss, just Rebs. And it brought me back to when I was in college. And... I mean, in like a group message to go to the baseball game, we would literally just say Rebs question mark. Or if Ole Miss won, it would just be Rebs. Like that's how we referred to Ole Miss was just the Rebs, going to the Rebs game this weekend, that kind of stuff. And I think, by the way, intellectual property stays here. Keith Carter, if you start selling stuff like this, I get a cut. <laughs> um. But I think that that would be really cool for Ole Miss fans to start referring to them as Rebs more often. I saw like Evan Ingram, for example, uh, I guess he's got a partnership with, uh, um, oh, I forget what it's called. You guys know what I'm talking about, the insurance uh, that's targeting um, um, veterans. I forget what it's called, but Evan Ingram apparently is involved with that in, in some way. And the person they were highlighting today, he called a fellow Reb. Uh, I would use that more. Rebels is fine, but Rebs. 
I would buy a hat that just had Rebs on it or shirts, koozies, all that stuff. Merchandise, Rebs. Call yourself the Rebs uh, more often. I think it's, um, I think it's cool personally. I like it, and I would gear it more t- towards that versus the full Rebels or even Ole Miss, the Rebs. You going to see the Rebs this weekend? That kind of stuff. Shirts, hats, whatever. It's just me. That's what I would do. I like it. Anyway, just an idea that popped in my head. I'm going to stop wasting your time on stupid stuff. Um, The college football playoff ratings. Uh, There are so many people in media and fans as well, but so many people in media that have no idea what they're talking about when it comes to stuff like this. And you can say that about me often. Uh, that I have no idea what I'm talking about when it comes to a lot of things as well. But one thing I know I'm very good at understanding is the nuances of television ratings in sports. That is a concept that I have a very, very good understanding of. And so when the college football ratings thing happens, you get media reaction, and it's basically all wrong. And even the people that are right still kind of get it wrong. Uh, so in case you didn't see it, the college football national championship game had, before streaming was added, eighteen just over 18 million people. The streaming added about 500,000, so I think the final number was 18,700,000 people to watch the college football playoff national championship game. Now, you can spin it any way you want. That is the, or will be, the most watched thing on cable That is not an NFL game this year. So that sounds really good, right? Wow, college football is popular because nothing other than the NFL gets watched more than college football. And that is absolutely true. It's absolutely true that college football is watched more, at least at the highest level, than anything else on television with the exception of the NFL and then presidential debates and and stuff like that. Those always, uh, election night coverage, those draw, as you can imagine, massive numbers. But when it's a non-election year, that 18-7 number is the biggest in cable television. That is not telling all the story, though. That is a terrible number. 18-7 is a horrible, horrible, horrible number when it comes to the college football national championship game. In fact, the semifinals were watched by more people on average than the national championship game. And that is a a ratings plummet from the first playoff and every playoff after that. It is the worst rating since 2004, and that still eclipsed 21 million people. And that is what I'm talking about Today And this is what I've been talking about for so long when it comes to college football. Eventually, people are going to tune out. It's what I said a few weeks ago when I was ranting and raving about the college football playoff committee and how they were ranking teams in the playoff and the process. After October 3rd, there was not a single playoff-implicated game west of the Mississippi River. After October 3rd, the Pac-12 didn't play a single one. Not one. And because of that, you're regionalizing the sport, and that is leading to disinterest. And no, 
that number is not bad because it's on Monday night. They've all been on Monday night. In fact, they would prefer it be on Monday night because people are less likely to have something to do. I saw so many people say, well, it's because they have the game on Monday, not Saturday night. No, you do not want your national championship game to be on a Saturday night. People group watch, people have things to do, they're going out, their kids have things. That's the worst day. Saturday night is the worst day, and Friday as well, to have a game like that. And on top of that, they'd be competing with the NFL, which is the absolute last thing that they would do. I had somebody on Twitter try to argue with me and say, well... Yeah, I agree that the NFL's like people care about it more, but wouldn't the national championship game beat the NFL if they were head to head? And the answer is hell no. I'm not even close. Uh, the Saints Bears game, which was the worst playoff game of the weekend, drew 30 million viewers. Yeah, 12 million more people watched Saints Bears than the college football national championship. It's a real problem, and it's not because it's on Monday. It's not because the kickoff was too late. They want it to be on Monday. That That's a perfect day for them. The numbers have been great in the past. Nothing has changed other than the circumstances around the game. Now, there's a lot of nuance to us, like I said. So, the spin from ESPN is it's the most watched ca- thing on cable television. Absolutely true. It is also true that ratings for basically everything have dropped off completely. Uh, television, terrestrial TV is dead. It's dead. Streaming services have destroyed it. Uh, I mean, live sports is really, and live events are really the only thing that is going to keep television uh, alive. Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, HBO, all all these streaming services have destroyed live television. I mean, I know it's free, but you're paying for the cable package. But, uh, I mean, there's a show that's airing on ABC tonight where it takes an hour to watch 40 minutes of programming and you're sitting through long commercial breaks when you can pull up a show on Netflix that invests more money into their shows in some cases, or HBO or whatever, and there's no commercial breaks. So terrestrial TV's dead. Sports are basically all in decline. Baseball had a a terrible year. The NBA had the worst year in its history, basically. Uh, College football was down. The NFL is slightly down, but they're still breaking records. And that would be my biggest concern for college football and really, really underscores what I'm talking about here. The NFL did drop some. It did. But it is not anywhere close to the decline you've seen in college football. Not anywhere close. College football has a problem. We talked about it, I think, on this podcast. I know we've talked about it on the radio show. Um, College football has a problem. It's parody. You guys know this already. I mean, a lot of you agree with this. It's the same teams every year. And uh, and the next day, after Alabama beat Ohio State, they released odds for next year's playoff. You want to guess who the top four was? Did you guess Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma? I mean, imagine that, right? So exciting. People are starting to tune out. I mean, we've been people have been saying it for a couple of years now that they're kind of sick of it, that they're bored of it. It's a predetermined outcome. The playing field's not level anymore, 
and now we saw it right in front of our eyes. And that can that should concern everybody uh, at the Power Five level, the commissioners, the athletic directors. Uh, the NCAA doesn't really have a hand in it. The college football playoff committee, this model is not working. Yes, it determines a champion, but let's be honest here, guys. Um, the, the best team in college football, if it's the same team every year, isn't compelling. And it, it's also a business. I, I know some people don't like that, but college sports is a business too. Do you want your business to thrive or not? Because right now it's not thriving anymore. They have to make a change. And I hear a lot of counter-arguments. Well, if you don't like Alabama, just beat them. I mean, don't you think they're trying? It's because the playing field isn't level. People are tuning out of college football because the playing field isn't level. And, I mean, there's some solutions to this. It's a few. I mean, I've heard some people say that they should reduce the number of scholarships. Go from 85 to 75. So Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, or whoever can't hoard all of the good players. Well, I mean, I like that idea in theory, but this is still college sports, and I don't think that would hurt Alabama at all. I think it hurts the programs at the the lowest level, and it takes opportunities away from from players to play on full scholarship at the Division One level. You, you take opportunities away and you hurt the smaller schools the most by doing that. So that's not really an option. You can't force recruits to go anywhere. They are not professionals. You cannot, like the NFL, force them to do it. But the thing about the NFL versus college, and I'm aware that one's a pro league and one's not, but everybody plays by the same set of freaking rules, and all of those rules are enforced. Have you noticed that? I mean, the, the most compelling story in the NFL is either the Cleveland Browns or the Buffalo Bills. Small markets, cold weather, gross—I mean, gross weather, cold cities, no history of success—but they play by the same set of rules. And so, all it takes is competence in the front office and at head coach, and, and you can win in the NFL. Everybody's got a salary cap. Everybody has a set amount of rules in the draft. Everybody has access to the playoffs if they win a set number of games. There's no arbitrary committee that's deciding who gets to go to the playoff because of what their names are. There's a set of rules, and they're enforced. In college sports, well, how do you fix it? Um, I think it's really simple. They choose not to do it. Take Ole Miss and Mississippi State, for example. Both Schools that, that have recently served probation. Mississippi State's still on it. Um, they can never acquire the talent that Alabama does. It's not possible. They can recruit, Ole Miss can recruit better than they have in recent history. I, I expect Lane Kiffin to bring in top 15 classes every year. But the difference between the Alabamas of the world and the Wake Forests, Wake Forests of the world, it's what they're able to do in recruiting. And, and you guys know this. You've seen it. You've talked about it a lot, I'm sure. Um, 
it's not facilities, although I'm sure that helps. Alabama's facilities are better than Wake Forest's and stuff like that, but Wake Forest doesn't have the amount of people with a lot of money that are engaged in recruiting the way Alabama is. If the NCAA's rules were truly, actually, really enforced for everybody, when everybody played by the same set of rules, maybe you'd see a little bit more parity. But it's not that way. I mean, Ole Miss got two bowl bans. I mean, seriously. I know that they were doing things that were improper. They were sloppy about it. But how many times, as Neil McCready has pointed out, I've heard him say before, and he's absolutely right, uh, if Ole Miss was cheating like hell, then how could they have possibly lost on so many players late in the process? Guys that went to Alabama and Texas A&M and Georgia and all these places. How were they cheating like mad and losing players late in the process? Because everybody else is too. But Alabama has people that are engaged in the acquisition of players more so than Wake Forest. And so no matter what Wake Forest does, they'll never be able to get there. The Buffalo Bills can get there. The Cleveland Browns can get there. Wake Forest cannot. College football can have parity. The haves are always going to be the haves. People are going to want to go play at Alabama more so than Minnesota. I mean, that's the truth. But if you want to fix the parity problem in college athletics, that's how you do it. The NCAA can actually invest and actually enforcing their rules. That's all. That's all it would take. They choose not to do that, though, and that's why their interest is dwindling. I think you need to expand the playoff because right now, like I said, there, there was not a meaningful game with playoff implications played west of the Mississippi River after October 3rd. Not one. Seriously, not one. The NFC East was a story in the NFL despite having four bad teams because the winner of that division got a playoff spot. So no matter what, the NFC East still had interesting games. That's another thing that can fix college football. Maybe you'd still have blowouts. Yeah, probably so. But at least the season would have more compelling games. I mean, this idea that it would ruin the regular season, expanding the playoff, is such a joke. The regular season's not good. It's not. What was good about this regular season, aside from the fact that we had it through a COVID year, but take COVID out of the equation, what was good about this regular season? I mean, a Florida player threw a shoe. That was that was great. But nationally, why would somebody in Los Angeles care about college football? The entire West Coast didn't have a team that played a meaningful game. College football's got a parity problem. Now we're seeing the people stopping giving a crap about it. I wouldn't care if I were them. Now the numbers are bearing that out. And they need to fix it. They need to fix it soon because this, I mean, this is, it's very bad. 
no matter how you spin it. Oh, 18 million, still a lot of people. Yeah, it is, but it's a lot less than it usually is. And if the same team show up next year, it's going to be even less. I mean, I can't tell you the number of people uh, that I've heard from, whether it be from the radio shows or, or in just in conversation, who didn't really care for the NFL or didn't watch it all that much that have gravitated towards it. I mean, this is a college football state, and I've got people here telling me, man, I didn't used to like it, but God, the games are better, and I mean, at least everybody's playing by the same set of rules. At least the Browns have a shot, you know? At least the Bills have a shot. Small market New Orleans. They've had a great team and great coaching for a while. Yeah, I mean, you know, what was it, 2014 and before, they weren't great teams, but still. Had a high-level offense, a good coach, good front office, and now look at them. It's more compelling. And the numbers are bearing that out. All right, last thing for you, Ole Miss. Well, last two things, I guess. Ole Miss is showing up on basically every preseason top 25. And uh, here's a a hot take for you. They have to get better defensively for that to matter. Um, Ole Miss is an interesting case study because, like I told you on the last podcast, I I think Matt Corral specifically is being incredibly disrespected uh, for what he was able to do this past season. Uh how good he was against SEC-only competition, him being the highest-rated returning uh, quarterback as far as QBR, efficiency, yards per pass. I mean, basically everything. Uh, Matt Corral is the leading guy coming back. I mean, he's it. And yet he's getting really disrespected. But Ole Miss showing up in top 25 rankings is going to do a lot of things for your program. It's going to get people talking about it and paying attention to it, and it's going to get people to care about Ole Miss. It's going to add preseason hype to the game against Louisville because Ole Miss will be a ranked team in this neutral site game, and Lane Kiffin, and he's got this high-profile quarterback, and um, that's really good for the program. There's just no other way to spin it. I mean, this is good. It's... um, Going to be a summer of hype for Ole Miss. Questions about the defense. They need some of the guys in the recruiting class, specifically the junior college defensive tackles, to plug and play right away. But people are going to be talking about Ole Miss all offseason. But then I saw this. So being the preseason top 25, that's all great, all good, awesome, like good for the program. You're going to be hyped up all offseason. Matt Corral is going to be somebody that people are going to want to talk to at media days. Lane Kiffin's going to be a hot name, like all good, right? That's great. And they're appropriately ranked in these preseason polls. 18 to 25, I think that's all good. That all makes sense. This doesn't make any sense whatsoever at all. So the A, or USA Today, uh, well, I guess they use, yeah, the USA Today re-ranked everybody at the end of bowl season, one through 127 in college football. Uh, as you can imagine, Alabama finished the year at number one, Ohio State two, Clemson three, Texas A&M four. I think that's appropriate. Notre Dame five. Oklahoma 6, I would put Oklahoma ahead of Notre Dame. I think 
they are better. That's uh, that's just me. Um, Georgia 7, Northwestern 8. I don't think they belong there. Cincinnati 9, I would put them over Northwestern. Doesn't matter. Iowa State at 10 still doesn't make any sense. Where's Ole Miss, you ask? I mean, that's the question, right? Where is Ole Miss on this list? you got to scroll past Brigham Young. you got to scroll past Liberty and Iowa and Oklahoma State and Indiana and Ball State and Texas and San Jose State and Army and Buffalo and Appalachian State and Nevada and NC State, who lost four games in the ACC, and Memphis, and West Virginia, and Tulsa. Before you get to Ole Miss at 36. Yeah. Um, I know their defense sucks. I mean, I'm very much well aware of how bad... Ole Miss was defensively one of the worst in college football. They'd get scored on by basically everybody. And, I mean, you guys have heard me by now, I I imagine. Um, I've been, I mean, very pro group of five, especially this year. I thought Cincinnati deserved it, and even in a loss, as crazy as this is going to sound, Cincinnati proved that they belonged. Even in a loss. They proved it. If Ole Miss in Tulsa, who by the way lost their bowl game to Mississippi State, lined up today, who would win that game? I know what you guys are saying through your phone or car speakers, however you're listening to this. I mean, Ole Miss would put 70 on Tulsa. I watched them play against Mississippi State. Ole Miss would put 70 on Tulsa. West Virginia was a bad team this season. Full Miss and West Virginia lined up today. What would that outcome be? But at least West Virginia is a Power 5 team. Look, like I said, Cincinnati, I, I, was, I was cheerleading for them. I think Iowa State being ranked ahead of ULL, who has a better record than them, and also beat them by 17 points on the road, is a joke. So I, I've I've been pro group of five, but Nevada, Buffalo. I mean, Buffalo's got a pretty good running back. Maybe San Jose State, Ball State. I mean, even Oklahoma State. Throw that in there. NC State. Did Did you watch them play against Kentucky? I did. Uh, a Kentucky team that Ole Miss beat, by the way. We're, we're get, we get too cute with stuff like this. College football media gets too cute with stuff like this. If Ole Miss lined up across from Ball State today, Ole Miss would beat them by 35 points, even with one of the worst defenses in college football. I mean, let's not get cute with stuff like this. I and mean, this is just ridiculous. It really is. It, this just doesn't make any sense at all. If you're going to do stuff like this, I mean, I mean, do it right. Tulsa being ahead of Ole Miss is the, the funniest damn thing I've ever seen, too. I mean, it, uh, I know transitive property isn't a thing, but they have mutual opponents. 
I, I'm starting to think that as crazy as this sounds, because like I said, Ole Miss preseason ranked, and yes, they went five and five, but there are some people that are not appreciating. Here's a good way to put it: not disrespected, but are not appreciating how difficult Ole Miss's schedule was and what they were able to do offensively this year. If they lined up across from Ball State, they'd beat them by 35. They'd beat NC State today by a lot. Is any, I mean, I don't understand it. Especially this being after bowl games when you saw how good the SEC is. Every bowl win for the SEC was against a ranked team. Yes, even Mississippi State's win over Tulsa. Tulsa was technically ranked at the time. Every bowl win was over a ranked team. Almost had the most prolific offense in the history of SEC football. And you think that Ball State is 14 spots better than them? Ball State? We need to not get cute with stuff like this. I, I mean, come on. Come on. I mean, where's the logic in this? There isn't any. Stop getting cute with the group of five. There is nobody on Ball State's roster. Not not one person. That could cover Dontario Drummond. Not, not one. So, I mean, seriously. I mean, Snoop Connor would run for 5,000 yards if they played. That's exactly what would happen. Getting too cute with stuff like this. I mean, it is the USA Today, where I swear to be a columnist there, you have to hate the sport you're covering. That's the only explanation for the, the content that they produce. But this is just bad. I mean, it's nonsense. There, there is no sense in this ranking whatsoever. Not even a little. No sense at all. So, maybe a little chip on old Mrs. Shoulder. Maybe. Maybe they can uh, add that in. I did watch the season, by the way. And speaking of Snoop Connor, for whatever this is worth to you, the way he was talking, and again, it's the season, it's Ole Miss Productions, it was the high of a bowl game, so maybe this isn't real. Uh, But Snoop Connor sure seemed like he was going to be returning, which I think would be massive. I know the running back room is great. I think the running back room would do very well in his absence. But having him as a compliment to Jerry and Ely would be massive. Uh, for Ole Miss. It sounded like he was returning. He said a couple of times, you know, next year we're going to be this. Next year we're going to be that. Um, so hopefully he sticks around because uh, he's a big-time player, I think. And I think he would tear it up wherever he went. Um, so that would be good news. I might be reading too much into a in-house production of the bowl game, but uh, that did stand out to me. And, I mean, it's January 14th. You, you got to enroll at your new place if you want to participate in spring here, I mean, pretty soon. So maybe he's not going anywhere. That was a, a talk for a while. Maybe something's changed. And if it did, that's really good for you. All right, that's it for me. Thank you so much uh, for making the podcast part of your day. Five in five days. That was number four. Or was that number three? Anyway, we are doing five in five days, so glad you've been a part. Don't forget to uh, leave a rating and a review. Follow me on Twitter. Have a great, so you will probably be listening to this on Friday. Have a great Friday, and you'll have another podcast at some point uh, this weekend as well.
So enjoy the rest of your day, and I'll talk to you again very soon. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.